What's up, Plum Creek? Everybody good? Oh, you're frozen. Is that what it is? You're frozen. Thank you for being here. And uh, why don't we say hi to all the people that are snuggled in their bed in front of their fireplace or whatever else. Thanks, you guys. We're glad that you can still be joining us and worshiping with us today. Uh, it's way cooler here, just so you know. It's way cooler here. And hi, Mom. Good to see you. Um, great weekend. I'm excited about this weekend. I'm excited that you're here. Um, you aren't here on mistake. God has a plan, and you're part of that plan. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Fifteen years ago, when uh, Beth and I were on staff at a church in Fort Collins and started sensing that God was calling us to come and start a church here, uh, I was scared to death, scared to death. I had no idea what we were doing. And I remember the staff meeting when our lead pastor was going to make the announcement to the rest of our team that Beth and I were leaving to come down here. And it was a monumental day because after the announcement had been made, there was no going back. And I remember how scared that I was and uh, just overwhelmed with a lot of uncertainty. And after that staff meeting, one of the other pastors said to me, Doug, you're so brave. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I am not brave. And uh, I told him this, though. I said, this is what I'm most overwhelmed with. I'm most overwhelmed with the thought that somehow I would have a chance to be part of something that God wanted to do and miss it. And 15 years later, here we are, 15 years. And I wanna tell you something. These last 15 years, they've been crazy. And it's been a lot of hard work and it's been the best 15 years of our lives. And we have an opportunity together to be part of something so special. And what was just a dream 15 years ago, today is a thriving church making a difference in this valley. I believe together we have changed this community. And I believe together we have had an opportunity to be part of what God is doing to change this world. Let me just share with you just a couple things about our church real quick, just so you kind of know some of the details. We get asked these things a lot. We range, not on a weekend like this, but we range somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 people on the weekend, uh, both uh, last Easter and last Christmas, we were just a few people shy of 5,000. So there's a lot of people that call Plum Creek home. There have been hundreds and thousands, literally hundreds and thousands of people over the last 15 years, adults and, and students and children that have stepped across the line of faith and given their lives to Jesus. That's what we're all about. Um, I wanna share with you too just some unique statistics for if you're into this kind of thing, it's just fun to know what God is doing. Uh, in 2019, we made this initiative for all of you that are watching right now to have our services live stream. So if you weren't here or if the weather was bad and you're soft and you decided to not fight the weather, <clears throat> you would have an opportunity to still join us. And last year in 2016, 9,331 unique views of our live stream. On top of that, we have a YouTube channel and that YouTube channel uh, had 19,724 unique hits last year. Uh, we also have our podcast available online and there were over 20,000 plays of our, of our services uh, by way of podcast representing over 50 countries. Our website last year had total page views was 485,833, averaging 109 a day in 87 countries. Isn't that awesome? We're global. We're global. <laughs> And guys, can I just tell you this? As I look back on our lives and the things that God has called us to do and the things that we've had a part of, I can't imagine my life without having had an opportunity 
to be part of this. I can't imagine it. And it's been absolutely wonderful, and it's been a lot of fun and, and uh, blessed, grateful for the opportunity to be part of this. Here's my thought that I would like to unpack with you today. We are all building something with our lives. Every single one of us. Perhaps it's relationships, a marriage, family, children, careers, our net worth, our 401ks, retirement portfolios, homes and businesses. We're all building something. But I wonder if you've ever thought about the role and the responsibility that you have to be part of building the kingdom of God. Because we all, if we've said yes to Jesus, have a responsibility as it relates to being part of what God is doing. And sometimes we don't think about that very much. Sometimes we're not even thinking about the things that we're building with our lives. And then sometimes we're building life with great intentionality and building great things that are based on the foundation and rooted in our passion for God and things of God. So here's my main thought for this weekend. You might want to write it down, and that's this. <clears throat> you build what you love. You build what you love. And today I want to take a close look at two famous conversations that Jesus had with a guy that help us to understand the call that he had on his life, but also the call that we have on our lives. Uh, God had big plans for this guy. His name was Peter. And you might ask, Doug, how did you know that? How do you know that God had big plans for him? I want to read to you a passage of scripture when Jesus articulated this to him uh, very, very clearly, and I want you to see it. Matthew chapter 16, you can turn in your Bibles. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, we're looking at verse 17, and then uh, we're going to jump to another passage, which would be the second conversation here in just a second. Uh, Jesus is talking, uh, and um, he's talking about this conversation that he was having with this, this guy named Simon. And this is what Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, talking about their conversation. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Let me explain to you what just happened here. There's a significant name change that's just happened. Could you imagine having an interaction with Jesus? And he says, listen, I'm not going to call you Doug anymore. I got this new name, whatever name it would be that he would have for you. That's what he does with Peter. And basically what he was saying is, look, you've, been, you've become very familiar with a life that you were living, but I want you to know that I have a completely different life in plan and in store for you, so much so that I want this to be a definitive moment in your life. You will no longer be called Simon. From now on, you will be called Peter, which means rock. And my plan for you is this, that you will be the foundational, important person to help get the church started. And the powers of hell will not be able to prevail against what I'm doing. I have a plan for you, Peter, to be part of a movement that will change the world. I want you to be part of us being able to reach this world with the message of the gospel. No longer Simon, you now will be called Peter. That's what just happened in this story. Amazing. Can you imagine if you were Peter? No pressure, right? Sometimes I think we forget these are real people. Now I want to take you to our second conversation that Jesus has with Peter. So you can turn to your Bibles to John chapter 21, and I'm going to set up the story for you this way. Jesus' disciples have just watched Jesus. They've been around him. They've seen him teach. They've had interactions with him. Then now they've seen him be taken captive. They've seen him be tried. They've seen him be beaten. They've seen him put on a cross, and he died. They saw him put in a grave, and they saw him raised from the dead. And that's huge. 
I don't know if you think about these kind of things, but I sure do. If you were one of Jesus' disciples back then, and if you personally had been hanging out with a guy, and then he came out of a grave, alive, how do you think that would impact you? Would you listen to what he said? You'd probably be thinking about everything the dude ever said, wouldn't you? Like, guy is so legit. He came out of the grave, right? I guarantee you, you'd be captivated. And as a matter of fact, look at verse 14 of John 21. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to, this, to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So this, is, this story occurs after the first Easter. And now this is the third time that Jesus has, has, um, has communicated and been part of the disciples after he came back alive. So how, how do you think you would respond if you were a disciple? How do you ever think about this stuff? Like, how do you think you'd respond to this whole circumstance, this whole situation of now being uh, able to see, now for the third time, uh, Jesus, uh, who came back to life? I wonder how you would feel after the first time you saw him. How about the second time you saw him? And that's where we pick up the story, right? This, after they had seen him twice, look at verse 13. Simon Peter said to his, his buddies, I'm, uh, I'm going fishing. They said, well, we'll come too, they said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. I want you to see that these guys are at a crossroads of life. They're trying to figure this all out. You could only imagine that they would be. And they go back to this familiar place because they were fishermen. And so I want to ask you this question. How do you think love, the love of God has changed you? Do you think about that much? How has the love of God changed you? Are you a different person than you were before you met Jesus? Because we should be. We should be. And yet after they, they had had this experience with Jesus and had seen him raised from the dead, listen, they still go back to their former lives. Kind of like I do sometimes. Probably kind of like you do sometimes. How has God's love changed you? Are you still doing the very things that you used to do before you met Jesus and understood how much he loves you. Is there any difference? See, please hear this today. God never wants you to go back to who you were before you met Jesus. That was an amen moment. Amen. <clears throat> we got to tweet that right there. <laughs> Let's try it again. God never wants you to go back to who you were before you met Jesus. Amen. Okay, okay, now we're doing it. When you love Jesus, you become like Jesus. You care about the things that Jesus cares about, and you do what Jesus tells you to do. You shouldn't be the same person now that you were before you met Jesus. And Peter's problem, just to clarify this, Peter's problem wasn't that he was going fishing. I like to fish. That wasn't the problem, you see. The problem for Peter was that he was heading back to, listen carefully, an ordinary experience. He was going back to his former way of life. And I want you now to see Jesus is ready to deploy the next step in his plan to reach humanity with the truth of his love. And just so you know, it works because we're sitting here 2,000 years later talking about this incredible love of our God. Watch what happens. <clears throat> John chapter 21, these guys are out fishing. And uh, in verse 4, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. So Jesus calls out, fellows, isn't that great that he calls out, hey, fellows, have you caught any fish? And, and listen, um, that's a horrible question to ask a fisherman. <laughs> have you caught any fish? No. And I wish we could hear 
the tone. No, they replied. And I, I got to tell you, too, that I believe that uh, Jesus was strategic and that God was involved in these guys catching no fish. And uh, I hope that's not the case when I fish. I actually like to have some divine intervention on the positive side of catching fish. No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. Don't you love it when the guy from the shore tells you what to do? So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Can I tell you that it's kind of like what Jesus was telling his disciples is this. Don't go back to the way it was before. That's not the life that I want for you. There's nothing for you there. Let me show you what I mean. You guys have been fishing all night? Yeah. Do you think they fished on the right side of the boat? Just nod your head. Likely, if you're a fisherman, you try and catch everywhere, especially when you're not. So now they throw their net on the other side, and the disciples then recognize that it's Jesus on the shore. And I've told you before I love Peter. Peter's just an interesting guy. He's so impulsive, and he never thinks before he speaks. And that's kind of why I like him. Because he reminds me of someone I know. <laughs> Peter jumps out and he heads to shore. I love his passion and I love that he's quick to action. Look at verse 9. When they got there, they found some breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Jesus already had the fish. So much so that he's got breakfast on the barbecue. Yet in true fashion, he always invites us to be part of what he's doing. So let me hit pause for just a second and tell you that something that I see true for me and likely see, see true for you because we're humans and it's the way we work, but let's just look at the metaphor of the net for a second. What happens in your life when the net is empty? A lot of times, don't we say, hey God, little help down here, the net is empty. Could really use some divine intervention. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed what happens to humanity when the net is full? You know what we like to do? Hey, check me out. I got a full net, right? Isn't that how we do? It's how we do, I know. And if you're just in this season of life right now where things are going great and the net is full and you're experiencing God's favor and blessing in so many ways. Be careful how you process where it's coming from. Because I would contend, I've seen it in my life, and it's probably true for you too, that when God asks you for some of the fish in your net, you can tell a lot about yourself by how you feel and how you think about giving some of your fish to what God asks you to give it to. Look what Jesus says. This is great. Look at verse 10. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, he says. Like, who caught? If I'm Jesus, you know what I say there? I'm like, hey guys, you know that right side that I told you to fish on? Those fish that you just caught? Why don't you, why don't you bring some of those in? And this is how we can tell that these guys really had the heart of fishermen. So Simon Peter, he goes aboard and he drags the net to shore. And there were how many? 153. Only a fisherman would know that. 153, and then look at this, large fish. 100% what fishermen always say, right? They were big, they were big, they were big. Compared to what? Yeah, you know, like a goldfish. They were big, they were big though, right? <laughs> and yet the net hadn't torn. 
I like that Jesus always asks us to be part of what he's doing. But what I need you to see today is that love changes everything. When we understand his love for us, it changes our lives. We see things differently. And let me show you that Jesus knew what was going on in Peter. Jesus wanted Peter to understand that the life that he had planned for him was better than the life that he had just snuck back into, and that that's the same for you and me too. The life that he's calling us to is better than the life that we've left, yet why do we have the propensity to sneak back over to the familiar, to sneak back over to what feels safe, You see, we need to see a difference in our lives. And now we get to this amazing conversation that Peter uh, has with Jesus. And maybe it's one that you're familiar with. Look at verse 15. So after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And it's interesting if you spend some time studying this to read the different options of what theologians might think are being said here. It's kind of interesting. Do you think that Jesus was saying to Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Because we don't really know for sure, for sure, for sure what these was? Or do you think that maybe Jesus was saying, do you love me more than these and pointing to the rest of his buddies? Like, I don't think that's what Jesus would do. I don't think it was either of those. This is what I think he was asking him. Peter, do you love this fishing life more than you love the life that I'm calling you to? That is what I am so convinced is taking place in this story. You see, Peter is at a crossroads. Peter is at a crisis of identity. Have you ever been there? Trying to figure out who you really are. Trying to figure out who God is calling you to be. Trying to figure out what my life should be like now that I have experienced and know his love. Should there be a difference in me? And are we going to be who he's calling us to be, or will we keep going back to our old way of life, to what is familiar and what seems safe? And here's why I'm convinced that Jesus knew that Peter was at a crossroads of, of identity, trying, fighting a battle for his true identity, fighting a battle for which life he was going to live. Was he going to fully embrace Jesus' calling to this new life, or was he going to go back to what was familiar? Here's why I know that that's what Jesus was talking about. Look at verse 15 again. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, so that was John writing this, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Did you see it? That's it right there. Jesus was telling us what's going on here. The only way that you recognize that is if we go back to where we started in Matthew. Do you remember what Jesus told Simon? He said, Simon, I have a destiny in plan for you. There is a purpose for your life. I am, this is so real that I'm going to change your name to Peter. But do you see, I never saw this before. First time I've ever seen it. In this instance, Jesus goes back to calling him Simon. Interesting. Why would he do that? Jesus had changed his name because Peter had gone back to being Simon. Same as us. Are we going to be who God is calling us to be? Or are we going to slide back into the version of who you and I were before we met Jesus? And then there's this amazing conversation that happens three times. So after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then Jesus says, then feed my lambs. He asks them the same question again. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Says it a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What Jesus was saying is that, Peter, you need to embrace your new identity. You need to allow my love for you and my plan for you to change you. And when you do, it will change the way you see the world around you. Peter, you need to see that this love for God, listen to me, is not a narcissistic kind of love. Because he asks him, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then what happens? He tells him to feed his sheep. Do you see? You, you can't read this without an evangelistic eye to know that God's call when he loves us is to care about what he cares about, to be part of his mission to change the world. Do you love me? Yes. What do we do? We feed his sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, then you must love others. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then you must care about what I care about. Hey, Plum Creek, do you love me? Then you need to know this isn't just about you. It's not just about your relationship with God and your love for God. It's about embracing this life, this mission that he's calling us to live together. I love when people say, you know, I just want to be fed. I'm like, have you ever read this story? Because there's one reason for you being fed, and that's so that you will live on mission for God. That you will understand this isn't just about a little holy huddle. This is about us understanding the mandate to reach the world with the gospel. Plum Creek, do you love me? Yes, yes, we love you. Then live with a new focus. Plum Creek, do you love me? Then, yes, I love you. Then live for the sake of impacting the lives around you. See, it's different. We don't live like we used to live. We see and experience and know things differently. And, and what, what, what God is communicating to you and me and what Jesus was communicating to Peter is that if you love Jesus, there's going to be a price. There's going to be a cost. There's going to be an investment on our part. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes that cost is big. I want you to see what Jesus does next. Look at verse 18. He says this to, to Peter. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And if you're reading that and you're like, Jesus, like, what? What are you talking about? Right? Do you feel that? Like, you read it and you're like, what are you talking? Look at the next verse. John says that Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Whew. Again, sometimes I think we forget that these are real people. Can you imagine being Peter? Jesus asks him this question, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. He's like, okay. Now, there are no sheep yet. Did you ever think about it? There's no sheep yet. He's saying, I want you to go help me start the church. There's no sheep yet. What, I mean, at this point, what is, what is Peter even going to teach somebody? Jesus, what, what do you want me to teach? He's like, I had an idea. Tell him what I told you. Maybe write a book. Maybe a sequel. And then you use that to teach him, right? Maybe that's a good idea. 
It's interesting to me to watch what's happening here, and Jesus is telling him what kind of death he would glorify God by. Peter understood what Jesus was saying. Can you imagine? He'd be like, whoa, 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 hit the brakes. Hit the brakes. This fishing thing is looking better, Jesus, because now you're telling me that the cost that I must pay will be my life. And Jesus says, yeah. Do you ever think about what it would have felt like to be Peter on that day? All of a sudden, he clearly knows what's going on. And when we realize God's love for us, when we embrace God's love, we're changed. And this change will always cost us. We're invited into Jesus' mission to reach the world. And the invitation costs us something. And I've told you before, I love Peter. He's just so authentic and raw, and he's just fun. I just like him because he's just like you and me. It's so great. Look what happens next. Peter turned around, and he saw behind him the disciple that Jesus loved. The one, had leaned, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who, who will betray you? This is why I love Peter. Look at verse 21. Peter asked Jesus, hey, uh, Jesus, what about him? What about him, Jesus? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, Peter, here's the deal. Uh, you just worry about yourself. You focus on what I've called you to do, and you just take care of your business. Don't worry about taking care of John's business, because you know who's responsible for John? John. And it's almost like he's saying to me today, hey, Doug, you just take care of your business. You just be who I've called you to be and you do what I've called you to do. Quit worrying about everybody else because you know who's supposed to be worried about everybody else? Everybody else. And everybody else that's here today and watching online, Jesus is saying to you too, quit worrying about everybody else. Quit trying to change everybody else's behavior in life. Change your behavior in life. And here's what I am convinced of in a very significant way. The only way that the church will ever reach its full redemptive potential is if we just worry about doing what God has called each of us to do individually. Can you imagine how much more the church would get done? Could you imagine how, how differently the perception of the church would be if we just took care of our own stuff? And we, we were responsible for what God is calling us to do. Think about how much wasted energy there's been spun around trying to worry about why you're not doing what you should do instead of paying attention to taking care of what I should be doing. Do you see what I'm saying? God is calling us to be something different, to sacrifice the way that you've been called to sacrifice. Don't worry about everyone else. You're responsible for you. And here's my main thought. Remember this. You build what you love. We build what we love. And so how does this all relate? This is a unique week for us. How does this apply to you? Here's what I'll tell you. You are here on purpose. You're here on purpose. And if you call Plum Creek home, you are part of this church on purpose. God has a plan for us to reach this valley and to change our world. We are doing that together. You and I have a chance together to redefine what the culture around us in this community understands the church to be. Because I want to do that the way God called us to do it. We have a chance to redefine what the church is all about, and that's what I live for. 
That's what I want to be seen and experienced through this gathering of humanity that we call Plum Creek. And so you might ask yourself, what are we all about? We talk about it every week. A changed lives, changing lives. That's a big deal. Kind of sounds like what Jesus said. Peter, right? Do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. It's about us living on mission. So what's Plum Creek all about? Last year, the team did such a great job helping me articulate this in a, in a very real way. And you just saw in the, in, the, in the intro video as we were getting ready to start these, these pillars, these values, making Jesus famous. That's what we're about. I want you to live on mission today, tomorrow, this week. Make Jesus famous by the way that you live. We're created for connection. Not one person is meant to do this alone. We do this together. That we're people in process. And we need to give space for people to be in process. This needs to be a safe place where we understand that it's okay to not be okay. And that together we see God moving us because he's not, he's not gonna leave us in that place. He's gonna help us to be able to realize and understand who he's calling us to be. And if you're part of Plum Creek, you know one of the things that is a value of our church, and I believe with all of my heart, this is one of the reasons why we've experienced God's favor, is because we're living irrationally generous. That we understand it's a blessing to invest our resources in what God is doing around the world. And then we understand that we, that we are contributors, not consumers. Same thing Jesus was saying to Peter. Look, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. It's not just about you, Peter. <clears throat> So I want to share with you some of the things that Plum Creek is doing. Can we talk missions real quick? Because I love missions. This has been a fun year. 2019 actually was a historic year for us as a church. Um, over the course of this year, we have, we've invested into what God is doing around the world. Because every month when we receive uh, the resources that you give and contribute to our general fund, we... We take 10% of that and we give it back to what God is doing all over the world. <clears throat> In addition to that, uh, we've had this Love First campaign where we know that God is calling us to reach this valley, to have benevolent hearts and to help those in need in our town. We take a special offering every Easter and every Christmas. 100% of it goes right back outside of the four walls of this church. We take mission trips. Many of you have done that. If you haven't, I want you to. And we sponsor almost 500 kids all over the world through one child. We've taken some special offerings this year to help those in need. And can I tell you something? For the first time in the history of our church, 2019, we gave $1,097,000 away. Listen, listen, listen. I told you years ago that there would be a day when we give a million dollars. And I told you that when that happened, I would dance. So here you go. <laughs> I'm so excited, but listen, that's not where it stops. Man, our best days are yet ahead of us, and I need to tell you, because we gave $1,097,000 this year, missions giving for 2018 and 2019 combined was $2,006,000. You guys, that's awesome. We get a chance to be part of what God is doing around the world. Listen, don't you dare tell me that we're not part of something special. 
Don't you dare tell me that we can't do great things for the cause of Christ when we link arms together. And because I love this kind of stuff, because of what God has called us to do, the total missions giving for Plum Creek Church from August of 2006 through December 31st of 2019, the lifetime giving of our church outside of the four walls of this church is $4,964,424. Whew, that's awesome. We get a chance to be part of what God is doing. Okay, let's talk young adults real quick. I want you to know that I believe with all of my heart that God has placed a mantle on our shoulders as a church that we would take steps to very proactively meet the needs of the young adults in our community, unlike any other church is doing now. I believe there's a mantle and a responsibility on us to do this, so we have, we've uh, crafted our budget to be able to make space for a new hire this year uh, for this area, that we would hire someone to take on the responsibility of the young adults in our community and also be responsible for our residency program, which means that we're going to up that in a whole new way. We want this to be a place where people that are sensing a call to the ministry can come and not just learn about doing the ministry, but do the ministry. And so this person will be responsible for that. Uh, We have 38 people that have already applied, by the way. Let's talk about our hearts for the next generation. Our new building is going to reflect our hearts and our priorities that we've had since the very beginning of our church. Uh, Right now, all of our kids are next door in the school next door, and we know that's not ideal. If you know anything about education and curriculum development, it's not good that we have that many students all in one room together. Rather, we should break them up in age-specific categories that will help them to be able to be communicated at their level the love of God, to be mentored by people that love them. And our new space is going to help us do that. Our students are going to have new space, and children with special needs are going to have space. It's an opportunity for our students to have a third place to come throughout the course of the week when they have off hours at school. This will be a place where they can come, a place for connection for us with God and with others. And you might be asking yourself, how can you help? How can you help? Okay, first thing. See these stickers? I need your help. There's, There's two reasons why I want you to use the sticker. I want you to put it on your car. I want you to put it on your water bottle. Put it somewhere where uh, other people are going to see it and you're going to be reminded to. And here's why I want you to do that. First thing is you're helping us communicate to this community that we are here by force. And we're part of something significant that God is doing. And I want you to drive carefully. Because you're representing, you're representing the Lord when you have this on your car. But here's the other reason why I want you. Because I want you to pray, guys. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for God's hand of favor to continue to to move us where he wants us to be, to help us to reach our full redemptive potential. So instead of just seeing this and thinking, oh, there's a piece of quigs, there's a plum creaker, drive careful, you know, I want this to be a reminder to pray. That's what I do. And so when you see these out there and about, see what we're doing is we're helping each other mobilize a prayer force that will make a difference in this community. So I want you to pray daily about making Jesus famous. I want you to live on mission with us. I want you to be a contributor. I want you to serve with your time and your talents. There's a reason you're here. And I want you to see and to find your place, to be able to get involved and to to serve. And I want you to live irrationally generous, investing your financial resources in the kingdom of God. And I need everyone involved in that. We're taking some big steps this year, guys. When this building is done, uh, we're going to have an increased mortgage. I'd want that to be eradicated as quickly as possible. 
but I need your help because we're also taking this big step in the area of young adults. That obviously is going to cost more, and I need your help. We need to be able to uh, meet our budget this year, and I, I would love it if every single person that called Plum Creek Home was a recurring giver, which means that you get online or you use the app, you set up uh, your, your, your um, contributions that way. So let me just talk about seeds real quick. This is amazing. 196 families pledged, individuals and families pledged to our building program, and the total amount that was pledged was $1,164,166. Praise God. It's awesome. Against those pledges, we have received $1,318,453. The people that are clapping are good at math. <clears throat> Because that's bigger than the amount that was pledged. Let me explain to you how that happens. Many of you have given beyond what you pledged. Do you want to know how much more? Because I asked Stephen to give me the number this week. $437,000 above the pledges. That's awesome. And I want to stop for just a second. And from the bottom of my heart, say thank you because together we are doing some incredible things and the ministry that we're going to be able to do together in this space will take us to a new level awesome there's still $282,000 outstanding against pledges that were made so let me just talk about that for a second I know there's lots of reasons why that that would be there are some people that have moved away. There are some people that aren't part of our church any longer. There are financial situations that have changed, and that's okay. I get it. That's part of it. I'm praying that at least half of that comes in. Because my goal is before we have to sign on a bank loan for our space, that we will have been able to raise $2.5 million total for this building. Because you see, on top of that pledged money, 195 unpledged gifts totaling $343,000 has come in. So our total to date given to seeds is $1,659,019. Isn't that awesome? So I know what you're thinking right now. Some of you think, come on, Doug. How are we going to get to 2.5? How is that possible? So I did a little math. 391 individuals and families have given to the capital campaign so far. Last year... The year 2019, 1,326 people gave to the ministry of Plum Creek. Isn't that great? So when I do the math, that means there's 935 people that haven't given to the building program yet. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe you haven't been invited. So there's a pledge card in the chair back in front of you today. And please hear me. Whether you're here or watching online, I need your help. I need your help. Because the math that I do says... If 935 individuals or families would pledge, that haven't given yet, would pledge to give 900 bucks over the course of this year, we'd get there. Isn't that awesome? I know that's a lot of money. Some people can give more than that. That's okay. We'll take it. And if you can write a check for 800 grand, we'll take that too. It'd be awesome. <clears throat> because listen, every dollar that we don't have to finance, you understand, when you amortize these things over years, that's not great stewardship. I'd rather have this thing paid off so that we would be able to invest all of that ministry into the, or all of that money into the ministry. So I'm going to ask you, if you haven't, to grab one of those pledge cards to take it home. I would like to invite everyone to be part of this. If you haven't, please do, and I'm praying for you. 
As a matter of fact, I talked to Beth. We made a pledge, and it was an aggressive pledge for us. It took a God thing for us to be able to pay our pledge off, and we did. But I'm committed to being one of the 900 that'll, or yeah, one of the 900 that'll give an extra 900. And so we'll figure it out. God will provide. He always does. And I just want to invite you to join us on this journey because it's an amazing thing that we have an opportunity to do. So let me tell you, as we finish, <clears throat> God doesn't want you to be the same person you were before you met him. And I wish there was a way for you to hear the voice of God say to you today, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Don't ever go back. Be the person that God is calling you to be. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? I don't know what that means to you here today. But I know that God has a plan for you. And the plan for you is to be part of, part of what he is doing around this world. And he also wants you to be a different person than you were before you met him. And I don't know what that means to you today too, but I'm sure God's been speaking to us because he has to me. And so I want to ask you today to allow him to speak to you about the things that you are most likely to slide back to that prevent you from being the person that God wants you to be. And Father, I ask today that you would just speak in a real way, that you would challenge in a real way, that you would help us to hear your voice. Lord, as a church, we have so much to be thankful for. What a thrill to be part of what you're doing all over the world. And Lord, I'm honored. I'm honored to stand here today before these people that call Plum Creek home. What a joy it's been. What a joy it is to be part of this thing called Plum Creek. Because Lord, we're bigger than just something called Plum Creek. We're part of what you're doing. And I thank you for that today. You've done immeasurably more than we could imagine or ask. But Father, I know our greatest days aren't behind us. They're in front of us. So will you help us even as a church to not go back to what we were, but to chase hard after what you're calling us to do right now? Will you help this church to reach its full redemptive potential that this community this valley and this world would never be the same we love you lord it's in your name we pray